What's up, everybody? This is your host, Jackson Mitchell. We are back with another episode of the Walk on Mentality podcast. This week in the studio, we have Mr. Zach Rance. Zach, I appreciate you joining me, bro. No, I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. So I was uh, I was doing some research on Big Brother, and I don't know how you feel about the show, you know, however, however many years pass, but what what is the whole purpose of that show, and how did you end up on Big Brother? Dude, funny story, actually. I never watched the show ever, and my mom was a big fan. And the summer between my fourth and fifth year at the University of Florida, I was there getting a degree in economics and entrepreneurship. I started watching the show with my mom that summer. It was 2013. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, mom, this show sucks. It's so boring. All the people on this show have no personality, no sense of humor. And she's like, well, if you think you can do better, why don't you try out an audition? I said, all right, maybe I will. And uh, they ended up doing a 25, 26 city casting tour. And they came to University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. It's a very small town. The only thing in Gainesville is the college. Mm -hmm. And I showed up. And it was at a Honda dealership. There was probably like 250 to 400 people there, give or take. I mean, the whole dealership was just packed from the front of the dealership out the door. And I knew I had to make a splash and kind of make sure everyone knows I'm there. So I just cut the line and everyone started kind of yelling at me and arguing with me and I'm arguing with them back. And it turned into this nonviolent, non-aggressive, like shouting match. Uh, and one of the, I guess, assistant producers came over there. They said, what's going on? And everyone's like, this fucking guy is cutting everyone and being an asshole. And she's like, you're perfect. So I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. You know? um, and so that's basically how I got on the show. And um, the premise of the show, 16 strangers, eight guys, eight girls, all competing for, at the time, half a million dollars. Uh, now we're going to get 750K. But no, here's the caveat. No communication to the outside world, nothing to read, nothing to watch. Uh, you're just simply stuck in a house with the 17 other people that are there. And, and there's really nothing to do except we have competitions weekly, physical competitions, endurance competitions, mental competitions, memory competitions. And whoever wins the competition is the head of household. And that person gets to put someone up for eviction. And then the okay. house holds on who should go home. So it's somewhat of a social experiment. It's a game of who can be the most manipulative, most likable. And, you know, you got to be somewhat athletic, I think, just because there are a lot of physical competitions. Mm -hmm. um, but that's pretty much the premise of the show. I did not end up winning. I ended up coming in like seventh, but I lasted like 69 out of 100 days. Okay. And, you know, it was, it was a good experience. I didn't go there to like get followers or get famous. I went there for 500,000 reasons, not a reason more. I wanted to win the game. And uh, it was a, it was an interesting summer. That's hilarious. I, uh, man, reality TV is interesting. Like every single show where they're putting you up in a house or your 90 day fiance, like all of them, it's like, wow, it's just wild. Um, but I guess it certainly is a skill building exercise to be able to connect with you know, 17 other people from various backgrounds and, you know, really try to be liked and also try to win. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Um, and that was 10 years ago that you were on the show? Yeah, that was summer of 2014. So nine years ago, I was okay. 23 years old at the time, 
freshly graduated from University of Florida, didn't have a job lined up. And uh, the timing was was pretty perfect for me to go to LA for like four or five months. And uh, it didn't end up winning, but it was a good experience. Yeah. So prior to going on the show, obviously, like you mentioned, you got an economics degree from Florida. I'm curious as to hear more about your background growing up and what led you to kind of take that path to econ you know, were you playing sports? Give me kind of a quick and dirty on your upbringing. Yeah. So had an amazing childhood. Best childhood I could have ever had. You know, always had great friends, always playing football outside, always riding my bike around the neighborhood, uh, went to summer camps in the summer, whether it was golf summer camp or swim camp. Um, never, ever, ever had a problem with school or sports. Was always one of the most athletic kids, usually like I was the fastest kid on whatever team I was on. Uh, high school came pretty naturally to me as well. I did very well in high school and had a lot of friends, but I started to kind of like separate myself uh, in a bad way. Just uh, I didn't really like the popular crowd and I kind of just strayed away from that. Not because school or academics was more important. I just kind of had my own small circle. Um, and looking back, I kind of wish I was more open to like creating new relationships in high school and things like that. But I kind of like stuck to my small group of friends. Um, and then in college, uh, I was a party boy, dude. I was a party boy, man. Drinking four or five days a week, um, smoking a lot of pot, playing a lot of FIFA, uh, barely, barely graduated from school ended up doing a degree in economics because I couldn't pass a couple classes that were required for a finance degree. So it, there was nothing that really pulled me towards econ. There was nothing that I was passionate about or interested in when it came to, you know, that field of study. It was kind of just like, uh, you know, if I want a degree and I want to graduate from this school, uh, what's the easiest major out there? And it was econ in the liberal arts college. Yeah. And I know, you know, from when we synced up earlier this week, just about your interest now in personal development. But I feel like I've seen so many kids in college who drink four or five days a week, smoke a ton of weed, do a ton of drugs, and, you know, their grades are fine or maybe they're not. But I feel like a lot of people are not really aware of what that is doing to their system or really just kind of what's available in terms of uh, maybe better outlets. Um, do you feel like you were aware of what you were doing at that time? Or do you feel like you were just like, oh, I'm a college kid. This is what Literally, I'm supposed to do. So, dude, it wasn't even so much the fact that I was harming my body and my brain, but it was more so that there were so many other opportunities that were right in front of my fucking nose, dude. Yeah. So many opportunities that were right in front of my face that I just didn't recognize. For example, it was 2010 and... This was right after the global financial crisis. I mean, I went to college in 09. Y you as well, right? Are, we're pretty similar in age. Or I'm a few years behind you. Okay. So I yeah. went to college in 2009. And this was right after you know everyone's 401ks got cut in half and everyone lost their homes. And um, my parents were not uh, financially healthy in that point in time. And you know, I had to get a, I had to get a job as soon as I went to college. But my point with that is that my buddy and I, we started buying stocks 
And he's like, yo, let's buy bank stocks because these banks just got bit bailed out by the government. And he didn't even really know what he was talking about either. But what he was saying was making a lot of sense. So we opened up uh, like a TD Ameritrade account. This is 2010, dude. We opened up a TD Ameritrade account and we bought a couple stocks. And we did it for like, I don't know, maybe six months, maybe. And I was like, yo, this ain't worth it. I'm not making any money. I want to, you know, go buy another quarter of pot like can i get my hundred bucks out <laughs> and looking back dude that was one of the worst decisions i've ever made because he stayed in it and you know i'm still really good friends with him but uh you know he learned so much about the you know possibilities and opportunities of just like parking your money in assets that grow and so so it, that was one of the things that i was like damn like i wish i would have learned a little bit more about that you know and then other like entrepreneurship opportunities, I did like start a couple businesses in college. Uh, one of my close buddies like started buying rental properties and he was telling me about how great it was and he wasn't making that much money and it seemed risky. So I was kind of like writing that off. But then, you know, so like you look back and you're like, yo, I should have spent all the time I was spending playing FIFA and getting high. I should have spent that on like how to start a business because, you know, entrepreneurship, obviously it's extremely popular and it was probably popular back in 2009, not as popular as, as it is today, but I wasn't aware of how bad I didn't want to sit at a desk all day. So like, you know, I was kind of just like kicking the can down the sidewalk, like, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But I should have started figuring it out instead of playing FIFA. Yeah. I mean, you don't know till you know, and obviously everything you've experienced has got you to where you are. So you turned out okay. But now it's certainly interesting just the the conversations I've had with various people about like when they got into personal development and why a lot of people, I feel like hit this kind of rock bottom, so to speak, where they're like, there's got to be more that I can do in my life. And then they completely flip a switch. Um, but that makes sense. So you go through, oh, I guess... You got into Big Brother right after you graduated. So you were mentioning how there wasn't really a career career path that you had in mind or anything that you were preparing to do professionally. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, I, I interned at my mom's like wealth management company for two summers in a row. And while I was sitting at the desk, like in Google Excel sheets, all my friends were at the beach and I was like, yo, I'd rather I'd rather be broke, chilling at the beach and having my time to play tennis and golf and exercise than making 150 grand sitting behind a desk. So I did not even apply for one job before college was over. Wow. Yeah. And so were you planning to actually just be broke and maybe do that for a little while? Or what I were you wish I can go, obviously we all wish we can go back in time. I wish I can go back in time and just like see where my head was at uh, Q1 of 2014 and be like, yo, what did I think I was going to do after, <laughs> after graduation? I really, you know, I, I had a job at a restaurant, uh, at a high end Thai restaurant that, you know, I made good money, dude. I made like 200 bucks cash a night and I was working from four till nine 30. It was good hours and it was mm -hmm. good cash. And I think that was kind of just like, oh, I'll do this worst case scenario. You know, I'll make you know, 50, 60,000 a year under the table and, you know, figure it out from there. So I think that, I think that's what I was planning on doing. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Everybody's got different paths. Um, but then, so you get on big brother, you go through the show and then the show ends, you make it to the top seven and that's great. But now it's time to figure out what's next. I, I had a gentleman on the show 
several episodes ago who was on the bachelorette uh he was one of the guys on the bachelorette and one thing that he and i talked about was the fact that your number of followers does not immediately equate to like wealth and just because you have 500k doesn't mean you're making a ton of money you could have a thousand and be making more money whatever based you know on social media specifically um so for you i know that you've got a big following going through big brother when it was time to transition out of reality tv and into the real world what was that transition like for you yeah I, i think i had historically one of the worst transitions out of anyone that's ever been on big brother because this season i was on and I always, I always use this kind of storyline, but it's like Ariana Grande's brother was on the TV show. With me. Mm-hmm. And so Ariana Grande was tweeting about the show two, three times a week. She was posting Instagram pictures about the show. It brought a lot of attention to the show. And because Ariana Grande, her age and her following and her audience and her being a global superstar, uh, it brought a lot of like social media attention to the show. It wasn't just like, actual people watching the show it was kind of like tweens like 14 year olds to like 19 year olds that like no we're not watching the show and they would follow me mm-hmm. and uh so coming off the show with 400,000 instagram followers and being 23 24 years old at the time and big brother paid me 30k just to be on the show which was the most money i've ever had in my entire life uh i ended up having an extremely big ego i became narcissistic i became pretentious i thought i was better than everyone else because i had four hundred thousand followers and a little bit of cash in my bank account you know i ended up buying a bmw that i couldn't afford and i ended up buying expensive clothes and was buying you know 150 to 200 shoes every twice a month and um i did have a little bit of money on the calendar when it comes to meet and greets and you know social media posts and things like that but six months after the show was over, uh, the new season started to get promoted and people were looking forward to the new cast and no one cared about Zach Rance from Big Brother 16 anymore. They cared about the new season, Big Brother mm-hmm. 17. And uh, that's when it started to kind of go downhill for me because the the well dried up as far as the money went. I didn't have any more money on the calendar and I was continuing to spend money on expensive shoes and expensive bottles at the club and drug and you know alcohol and drugs and just spending all the money I I had um and I didn't understand personal finance at the time so definitely living above my means for sure and then had a couple really bad nights where I just you know drank too much woke up with just massive headaches and blood on me and things like that and I was like how did this happen I have no idea how this happened this is not healthy I need to get my shit together and then I I went into kind of a, a deep, not a super deep depression. There was never like super awful thoughts of harming myself, but it was more just like, I'm a failure. I had the best opportunity in the world. I have all these followers and I was on a TV show, but for some reason, like where's the money or like, where's the credibility? You're like, where's this going to go? Like, what's the vision here? Dude? Right. Why do you what feel empty? The- yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, from there, that that's when the personal growth uh, journey really started happening. Do you think that at that time in your life, your identity was completely tied up in followers and kind of the ego stroking statistics that exist within social media? And you kind of had no other, like you didn't know who Zach Rance was without this big brother experience? 
Yeah, absolutely. And there were there was a lot of uh, I'm gonna call it proof, and it's not factual proof, but it's proof. And I'll explain it like this. For example, uh, there was an app that came out called Shots. It was like kind of like Instagram where you post a picture, but like you kind of only post selfies. No one really remembers it because it's it, it didn't do well. But long story short, <laughs> Justin Bieber was an inv investor on this app called Shots with this guy. I think his name was like John. He's now like helping Nelk with Happy Dad, right? Um, and they started, they launched this app. And if you go on Wikipedia and you type in Shots app, uh, it, top, it it makes it has a list of like the top 10 influencers on the app. And Wikipedia is not actual news. This is not the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. This is not the Washington Post. You know what I mean? This is literally like you can edit a Wikipedia page. Yeah. But there were 10 influencers on the Wikipedia page and they were Justin Bieber, Snoop Dogg, Tyga, Zach Rantz. And I was like, yo, what? <laughs> I had like I had like 2000 followers on the app. I was like, what? Right. Like, you, oh, I'm going to list with these people. Okay. Okay. Right. And then, you know, there was articles being written about me in BuzzFeed and, you know, I had an article written about me in the Huffington Post and like, so that was proof that I was somewhat of, um, I guess like a famous reality star, right? That was like, right. that's tangible evidence that like people are talking about me, but, but what they were talking about wasn't true to who I thought I was or true to what was actually going on in reality, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, what, like, what was the story? Was there anything specific that stuck out? I was voted number two as far as, like, fan favorites go. I got, like, three, four million votes. And uh, it was because I was just kind of, like, funny and I was kind of, like, mean to other people but did it in a charming way. And I got a really good edit. Uh, on the show, like I got a really good edit, so people kind of just liked me uh, for yeah. who I was on the show, and I wasn't being myself. I was kind of just like acting a little crazy because that's how I got on the show in the first place. <laughs> um, so that I, I can't, you know, it wasn't anything specific as far as like the articles go. It was more so just like this guy's act, see what he's up to now, type of thing. Right, and it was kind of like there was a disconnect between the perception that you put off on the show and how people perceive you from who you actually are. Yeah. Cause dude, I, w I was broke dude. besides the 30 K I had in my bank account, which I didn't even have anymore. Cause I spent 15,000 on a BMW that ended up breaking down four times. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have any money. I was 24 living with my parents. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any skills. I didn't have any talent. Like I couldn't sing or write songs like Taylor Swift. I couldn't throw a football like right. Patrick Mahomes. Like I, you know, like I don't, I, I was confused, but I wasn't aware of the confusion of yeah. the, why people are talking about me. Right. So like I said a second ago, it seems like everybody who gets into personal development at some point, they hit a rock bottom. So that sounds like your rock bottom. So what was the process like for you to decide, okay, this is not who I am. This is not what I want my life to look like. I need to make some changes and this is what I'm going to do. What was that journey like for you? It was, uh, it was just like, I got very realistic on what the hell was going on around me. It was like, no one's emailing me to book me on anything. Right. Like I don't have any skills or talents. Mm -hmm. I, I went to acting school afterwards to like, maybe I can, you know, be on a soap opera or be an actor or something. Nothing was working. I wasn't willing to commit five years 
uh, for over the next you know five years to like sh uh, sharpen my skill as an actor. Like, so I was like, all right, it's time to be realistic. What's going on here? Uh, if I want to be successful, I'm gonna have to work sixty hours a week. I'm gonna have to outwork up everybody else. I'm gonna have to wake up early. I'm gonna have to save my money. I'm gonna have to eat shit. I'm gonna have to make sacrifices. Like, even though my life kind of came really easy and naturally up until now. I'm 24. I'm an adult. And like, I don't have enough money to buy a house. I don't have any money invested. I don't have any income coming in. Right. I need my shit together. So the first thing I want to say to answer the question is like, I just got very realistic. I got very realistic, you know? And that I think that's something that a lot of people like lack on social media. You know, there's like billions of people on Facebook and there's probably close to a billion people on Instagram, if not more. And um, it's easy to see, you know, Tate and like other people posting Lambos and, you know, Aiden Ross is making, you know, tens of millions of dollars a month. They playing video games and, you know, it's like you, you see, you see the winners and you're like, yo, all I got to do is stream on Twitch for blah, blah, blah. Or all I got to do is, you know, do this e-com drop shipping, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's like, there's no secrets. There's right. no, there's no hacks to life. There's no hacks to life. It's wake up at 5 a.m., hit the fucking gym, work from 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. And in 10 years, you know, maybe you'll have a little bit of money. Like that, That like, if you go into life like that, then I feel like you'll be successful. Now, you know, I've been doing that and you know, I go on and off as far as like how hard I work. I'll be honest, like I'm not out here grinding that much anymore. From, from 2016 to 2019, those three, four years, grinding 70 hours a week up at 5 a.m. working two jobs, grinding. Now I kind of took my foot off the gas a little bit because I've gotten clear on what my vision is for my life. I don't need $20 million. I don't right. need $5 million. You know what I mean? Let me be debt-free, have seven figures in the bank. I'll live off the interest. I got a couple assets that pay cash flow. And like, I want to do three Ironmans a year, coach my clients, you know, do the podcast, things like that. So, um, but I, I guess- uh, But before you get into it, the, yeah. the key, though, to that was you didn't expect to have all of those things without the work. Like you said, my mentality is I'm going to have to work from eight to seven. I'm going to have to get up at five. I'm going to have to have two jobs, potentially. Like, this is my mentality. I'm going to have to grind. And then you grinded. And then once you grinded, you're like, okay, this is what that gets me. Is that aligned with what I need, what I want, et cetera? So you made the decisions to design the life that you want based on working your ass off first, but then figuring out, okay, you know, how do I manipulate this to where it makes sense for me? Exactly. Dude, well said. Hit the nail on the head. So yeah, so talk about that that grind. I know, you know, you said you had no skills. So where did you go start to develop okay. your skills? Yes. Yeah, so 2015, I got into real estate specifically as a real estate agent in Palm Beach County, Florida. Uh, this was 2016. So interest rates were like around three, four percent. You know, the housing was pretty affordable at the time, even though the market wasn't hot. Um, there was money to be made for sure. And uh, being a real estate agent, it's not W two salaried. You know, I don't have a boss that pays me $60,000 a year and invests 3% in my 401k. It's, hey, the more calls you make, the more appointments you have, the more conversations about real estate you're on the phone about, mm -hmm. the more money you're going to make. So it was like, all right, 
this is my opportunity. It's like, hey, I can work from freaking 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. every single day. And the more I work, the more money I'll make. So I did that. And then at the time, I was also grinding as a server at that restaurant. So I was, you know, up at 5 a.m. Actually, I was up at like 4.30. I remember this. This was 2017 till to 2019. Uh, up at 4.30 a.m. every day at LA Fitness at 4.55. They would open a little early. I would work out from 5 to like 5.45. Then at 6, I would go to Starbucks. I would listen. I was obsessed with Gary Vee at the time. So I was like listening to Gary Vee podcast. He was doing his trash talk where he would like go to garage sales and stuff. Um, so I would like watch Gary V on YouTube while I posted ads on Facebook and Craigslist for rentals and sales in my area. And then from about 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., I would work real estate nonstop driving from, you know, Boynton Beach to, to Cuesta, um, which is like at least like 40, 50 miles. And then at 4.30, I would clock in at the restaurant and any time someone would text me, hey, can you cover my shift? It was texted back, yes, immediately. Like it was, hey, how, I'm trying to work 70 hours a week. And then on the weekends, I was doing open houses and showing property from 10 a.m. till four, four o'clock. So um, that, that was the grind. That was my schedule. It, uh, you know, gym at 5 a.m. and then grinding from 7, 8 a.m. until 10 p.m. every day for three and a half, four years. And did somebody... Did somebody show you that that made you think that was the path you needed to take? Or did you just pick that for yourself? Like, this is what I'm going to do to basically pick myself up out of where I feel is rock bottom. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't it, as far as like industry wise. I'll answer that two ways. Like, As far as like, did anyone show me industry wise? Like, should I be selling real estate and then a server? Um, I don't think anyone really like showed me that, but I saw the possibilities and there were a lot of agents in my office that were collecting, you know, $20,000 checks like every month. And I'm like, right. yo, I would like look at it. I'm like, yo, you got this $20,000. Like you're going to cash this today. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my. And then, you know, that same guy, shout out to my boy, Dylan. Uh, he's probably going to listen to this. He's still a really good friend of mine. Dylan, uh, he went to FSU. I went to UF. We're the same age. He's a year or two younger. We would talk about football. I went to UF. He went to FSU, right? So we got kind of close. And then one day he's like, yo, I'm so sore. My legs are sore from lifting. I was like, oh, what gym do you go to? Oh, I go to LA Fitness on Linton Boulevard. Oh, no way. Let, let's work out. He goes, all right, well, let's go tomorrow. I'm like, all right, great. What time? He goes, 5 a.m. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, you go to the gym. No, and this was, bro, I kid, you, I, I kid you not. I am not even exaggerating when I say this. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know I was 26. I didn't even know that was a thing that people work out at 5 a.m. It didn't, never even came into my consciousness. Never crossed my mind. And he's like, yeah, I go at 5 a.m. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. And I wrote it off, wrote it off, right? Then a month later, Dylan comes in the office to do a $28,000 check. And I was like, yo, I'll meet you at the gym at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So that, that was like how that happened. It was, hey, this guy's doing it right. He's making money. He's up at 5 a.m. He's in good shape. This is the guy I kind of want to follow. And he kind of like mentored me without him realizing he was my mentor. We would like hang out as buddies, but I would always kind of be like, yo, what's he doing? What's he thinking about? What's he reading? What's he listening to? What's, what is he consuming? Um, so that's how that started, dude. But as far as like, you know, the other personal growth stuff, you know, it really just is a rabbit hole. And it was one book that kind of opened my mind to 
personal growth compound effect by um, Darren Hardy was kind of just like, yo, just like wake up a minute earlier, do one extra rep at the gym, eat 1% healthier, meditate for one extra minute, like do that for 30 years and like success is guaranteed. So I kind of live my life by that 1% mentality and not every day I get 1% better, but every year my net worth goes up, every year I'm in better shape, you know, every year I have better relationships in my life, every year I'm a better man, you know, so it's like, you know, this personal growth stuff, it's not science. Right. So, you know, just hearing you talk about this 1% improvement journey, I'm curious to like, from the mental health perspective, I know that that's something that's really important to you. Can you talk a little bit about navigating the one of the darkest times of your life and how you, you know, you mentioned that you had some never harmful thoughts necessarily, but like, you know, I'm a failure. I'm not enough. I'm not valuable. Like, how did you get out of that mindset? Did you see a therapist? Did you, you know, what was your methodology to get out of that? Dude, that's a tough question to answer. I, I, I don't think it was one thing. It was just, hey, let me go to the gym today. Like, let me wake up before 11 a.m. today. Let me read five pages of this book that is collecting dust on my bookshelf that someone who is successful recommended I read. Right. So it was like, let me just do a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Momentum is, you know, this dude, like momentum is so important in so many things. And uh, once you get a little bit of momentum, it's hard to stop. It's like a train. It, it takes so much energy for a train to go from zero to one miles per hour. But when that train is, is going full speed, it can run through a brick wall. Right. So it's like, you just, you just got to get a little bit of momentum and no, it's it's tough to give people advice, and if anyone out there is listening to this, and maybe they're you know you know in their feelings as far as like negative thought patterns and de depressed or anything, and you know sometimes you got to lean into those feelings, and sometimes you got to kind of just let those feelings work itself out. And you know I don't always believe in like yo just tough it up or yo like just get your shit together. Like that's kind of the advice I used to give myself, and uh, now I'm kind of more moderate as far as like hey you know if you're feeling this kind of way, like lean into that a little bit, ask yourself some questions, take a little bit of time. But as far as like, you know, physical fitness goes, man, I mean, I, I scream this at the top of Mount Everest, man, like you got to exercise. Like that is like the most important thing when it comes to mental health, in my opinion. Yeah. I think they, I think mental and physical health go hand in hand. And I think if your mental health is not in a good spot, then trying to tap into your physical health can help you improve your mental health. And at the same time, like if your physical health isn't where you want it to be, then like you know, maybe you need to tap into the mental side and see like, you know, why am I not really caring for myself, whether it's in the kitchen or the gym or whatever, like sleep, all of the things. Um, but yeah, they certainly go hand in hand. So on that topic of physical health, you started going to the gym at 5 a.m. And now you're a triathlete. You do a variety of different uh, types of fitness, if you will. Talk to me about your triathlon journey in endurance sports and Kind of just the training you do on a weekly basis. This is where I get excited, man. Let's this go. This is where I get really excited. Yeah, like as far as uh, triathlon. So I've done three Ironmans. Two of them I finished. One of them I DNF'd uh, on a mechanical issue on my bike. Um, but it started in 2020. One of my coaching clients, I was coaching him. His first goal was to run a sub eight minute mile. I said, dude, you can do that right now. He said, you think so? I said, yeah, if it was for a million dollars, you would get it done, right? He goes, probably. I was like, all right, well, tie your shoes. 
I'm going to tie my shoes. Let's go run a mile. And I'm going to do it with you over the phone. He's like, all right, bet. And uh, long story short, I ended up running like a 604. He ran like an 802. He's like, oh my God, Zach, I can't believe I already pretty much hit my goal on day one. This is awesome, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, wasn't that great? And this was, let me take half a step back. This was during COVID. And in Florida, kind of like Texas, I think, um, you know, we are one of the last states to shut down. Like mm-hmm. we, yeah, we are one of the last states to shut down completely. Um, the gyms were open and then they closed. And I was like, all right, so I don't know what I'm going to do now. I guess I'm just going to like work out out. I was like, yo, running, that sounds freaking miserable, but you know, I'm going to do it with you guys. So we like did a little challenge who can run the most miles this week. Right. And I ran like six miles in a week and I'm like, oh my God, I'm a beast. Right. <laughs> and uh, so then my client wanted to do eight mile. We ran the miles together over the phone. And as soon as I finished running my 604, it was like right over six minutes. As soon as I finished running my six minute mile, I go on the computer and I type in longest endurance race. So I already knew what a marathon was and, and I was interested in doing a marathon, but I typed in longest endurance race and I, I didn't even know what Ironman was and Ironman popped up and then I go on YouTube and I type in Ironman and Nick Bear's video pops up of him like doing his first Ironman at uh, I think Panama City. And I watched this video, dude, and I was like, this is what I need to do. Like, it was like, <laughs> I was never, I have never been so quick to commit to something in my entire life. Like I committed to Ironman. So I immediately went on Instagram, typed in Ironman coach. And I scheduled like like four or five free calls with Ironman coaches. Uh, ended up hiring a coach within like 24 hours. Paid him 300 bucks for the first month. Bought a TAC-X Flux S2 trainer. Um, ordered a Garmin. Like, you know, I, I, I probably spent... That day, I probably spent, I don't know, like over two grand, you know, because the <laughs> race is 800 bucks. Yeah, it, it, listen, all this it adds up. Dude, I'm sure there's a lot of triathletes and endurance... Uh, runners listen to this podcast for sure they're like they know that this sport it ain't cheap man it is not <laughs> dude no. i'm like about to go to cozumel it's like 900 bucks registration like 600 bucks flight like six days in a hotel like it adds up so anyway I, I probably spent like two two grand that day on just like the trainer and like the the bike trainer and registering for the race and then i just started training and i was like yo i gotta you know swim three days a week gotta bike three days a week gotta run three days a week and after like two, three weeks, I was like, I'm doing this forever. I'm doing this forever. Like it, it's my new baseline. It's my new like bare minimum of my physical fitness level. And I plan on doing these things until, you know, I'm 120 years old. Yeah. And, uh, I, dude, I, I love it, man. I, nothing fires me up. And there's, there's very few things in my life that I love more than Ironman. What what about Ironman do you love so much? Like, is it the process? Is it committing to a plan? Is it the just the sheer fact that like so many people won't do that? I mean, fifteen plus hours of training per week, seventeen plus like it's a huge commitment. So, what is it that you love so much about it? What have you learned? Yeah, there there's a lot there's a lot of things I love. I think the two biggest things I love about Ironman number one, it gives me a lot of purpose gives me a lot of purpose. It's like before Ironman, I would go to the gym at 5 a.m. I would lift chest and I'm not going for a bench PR. I'm not going for a squat PR. Like 
what am I doing? Yeah, my pecs look better. Yeah, you know, my legs are getting bigger. But like, and, and that does lack a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. you know? And also, I don't think that like lifting heavy, and I'm I'm kind of insinuating like the purpose of a, a, a weightlifter, someone who's like doing show. It's like, you know, you can't do that forever, but you can swim forever and you can get on a bike forever. You can, you can jog forever. So it's like, all right, this gives me purpose and it's purpose that is sustainable over the course of my entire life. Mm-hmm. So like that is first and foremost, the number one reason why I do Ironman. It gives me purpose in my physical fitness journey in life. Um, and then I think the second one, which is like, I, I, do, I get so emotional like talking about Iron Man. Um, I think that Iron Man, like, it's just challenging enough where like I can't just show up on race day. You know, I like like I'm pretty athletic. You know, I got a six pack. You know, I've done sub four hour marathons, like whatever. Like, it's just hard enough that like I can't just show up on race day. I got to train for sure. Right, there's an accountability but, built in. Yeah, but it's not uh it's not easy either. Or it's not or it's not, excuse me, it's not too hard either. Or it's like, yo, like, you know, I should be able to do an Ironman every day. You know, not every day consecutively, but like, you know, pick a day, put it on the calendar. It, as long as it's like more than three days away, like I should be able to finish an Ironman, right? So I think it's like when they talk about that flow state where like it's just challenging enough, but it's not too challenging, where like you're just like in flow. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that's like another big piece. Um, and what I've learned, what I've learned from Ironman, I mean, as far as like you know, physiology, nutrition, physical health, it's just like, yeah, learn so much. And the more you learn about physical fitness and health and wellness, the more you realize you don't know, right? So it's like this constant, you know, and you know, as a coach, like a high performance coach, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, you have a lot of knowledge, but there's always more knowledge to gain. Right. Um, so that's the one thing I learned. And then what else did I learn? I mean, I'll, I think that, I think that's the biggest learning. Like, and then obviously like, the discipline and accountability. I, I feel like that goes up being said, like anyone that accomplishes an Ironman, like they were committed to that. Right. right? They, they weren't like on the fence, like, oh, I'll train today. I won't, you know, no, no. The people that show up at T1 at the swim start, like they've been training every day for the last three months at least. Yeah, that's a fact. And dude, you're spot on it. I really like- Actually, I want to add add one more thing. I want to add one more thing. Like, and the community aspect, like you and I, we have, the biggest thing we have in common besides the fact that we're both high high performance coaches is like, you know, we like endurance. Like you like running and I like running. You like doing tries. I like doing tries. It's like, and, you know, I'm a part of a swim team that, like, we swim every day at 530. And uh, I meet a lot of people at the beach that are running and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it, it opens up a lot of relationships and being part of that community. And this community is, like, the nicest people on earth, best people on earth. Like, I'm in all these Facebook groups, Ironman Cosmo Facebook group, and we're all talking about, you know, helping each other on the course. And, you know, people helping you take off your wetsuit, people giving you their gels and their salt tabs. Like, it's just, it's... It's nice to be a part of a community of like people that care about their health. You know what I mean? Dude. It's better than that. Yeah. No, you're, you're so spot on. I remember I did 70.3 Waco in 2021. And the biggest thing I noticed was how incredible the community was. Uh, the race, my race was on Sunday. My best buddy raced the full distance um, try on Saturday. 
And so I was there, you know, checking my bike and whatnot and then watching him and the amount of people that I just talked to in the Ironman village or on the side of the course, what have you, like I've talked to so many people. There's one guy that comes to mind who lives in Houston, which is like two and a half hours away from Austin. And he and I still keep up with each other on Strava and like communicate as if we've known each other for some extended period of time. And it's like, there's not a lot of places where that type of connection just like exists. Um, so the community aspect of, of endurance sports is really, really cool. I saw it in CrossFit too, but there's just something a little bit different. Um, but I love what you said about the learning aspect. Cause it's like, you know, people, people who are coaches, they have decided to teach what they've learned. And to your point, just because you're teaching what you've learned up to this point, doesn't mean that you stop learning. Like you got to always be learning and continuing to hone that craft. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, there's, there's a coach for everything. So it's cool to, you know, hear you say basically the same thing, which is you're always looking to learn, uh, new stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. So tell me about, tell me about that because you, you built this kind of, I don't even want to call it a real estate empire, but basically you've had success in real estate. Uh, you were working at the restaurant you saw what working 60, 70, 80 hours a week got you. And then you started to realize, okay, like this is what this gets me. I've got my triathlon, my fitness regimen that I love. Uh, what do I, Zach, need? Like what do I want and how do I line all those things up? So when did you start, you know, your performance coaching business? And I think, tell me exactly what it is that you call it. It's like lifestyle Remind me of the lifestyle design coach. Yes. What's, what's in my bio. You know, I, I help high income earners create better work-life balance, manage their stress levels and get in the best shape of their life. That yes. is, that's who I, that's who I can help the most. Um, I also work with a lot of reality TV people. You know, I myself yeah. have gone through it when it comes to the reality TV realm and things like that. So I coach a lot of people. I've coached people on bachelor. I've coached people on big brother, things like that. Um, and then right now I'm working with small businesses as well. So I do a lot of group coaching with smaller businesses. So um, I do wear many hats when it comes to the coaching. But uh, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to that accountability and like meshing with your coach and things like that. So um, yeah. Now, so getting into that profession, you know, serving people in that way, were there any challenges for you as to making that transition or did it just kind of come pretty naturally? I feel like I've always been a natural coach. I've always been a good listener. I've always been very positive. I've always, always been there to help people out. Uh, I've pretty much always led by example, right? I feel like I have a lot of uh, accountability to myself with most things. And when I became a life coach, it started off very naturally. And I don't want to say it was easy, but it was simple. It was like, hey, what are you struggling with most? What are your challenges? What are your goals? Let's co-create an action plan to get there. And then I'm going to hold you accountable along the way. But after I got my first client, and uh, his name is Craig. Shout out to Craig if you're listening to this. This was 2020. And uh, I started helping him wake up earlier and get more done. And I started helping him with some other things that he was working on. And I realized there was a flip that switch. I realized that I now have this obligation this responsibility 
to be the best version of myself every single day. Because how can I tell Craig to wake up at 5 a.m. if I'm not waking up at 5 a.m.? So it was like, oh, shit. I now have to do all this shit that I'm talking about. Right. Because I, I don't want to be a fraud. So I feel like that's when I really leveled up again. Was like, oh, crap. This isn't just to be financially free and to be a business owner and to work on my own time. It's also to make sure that I continue to step into that greatest version of myself every day and every year. So that was that was kind of like when I really doubled down on the coaching. But as far as like business goes and, and money and income and things like that, um, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy, right? I, I definitely pride myself in only working with people that I know I can help mm. that fit my checklist of what I expect for myself when working with someone else. So that is uh, something that I, I definitely stay loyal to and I stay committed to. But you know, learning marketing and learning advertising and content creation and podcasting and email newsletters and you know, optimizing landing pages. There's a lot that goes into it. And as a one-man band, we can't do everything. And not only as a one-man band can we not do everything, but as a one-man band, um, you know, we need to be focusing on the high-value tasks. Coaching. We need to be coaching, right? Like, I, I ain't got time to be freaking setting up emails in MailChimp. And I ain't got time to be freaking cold emailing people. I'm too busy coaching my clients. So, you know, then it's like, all right, time to like outsource. And then, you know, you hire someone and they do a terrible job and then you pay someone and then they don't show <laughs> up. So it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, of challenges and tribulations along the way. And, uh, as long as this is my opinion and, uh, this is my opinion for myself and my opinion for all the other coaches out there, if you're a good coach, you're going to last, right? If you're a good coach, you're going to have clients that not only, return uh, because they enjoy working with you and you continue to push them and challenge them and you continue to put goals in front of them that they can reach. Um, but you'll also get referrals. And I've had a lot of clients who have referred me to people that end up working with me. And um, I have a group coaching program. I'm right now I'm coaching like, I think like eight people to run their first half marathon. And one of the first people finished their marathon on Sunday. So you know, that, that was great to see, but I, th I feel like if you're a good coach, like you'll last, Yeah, you know, you'll figure out all the other stuff along the way. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of what I just heard is, you know, a, the piece about you got to show up for yourself the same way that you're asking your clients to show up for themselves and also for you. So there's built in accountability both ways. Uh, but there's also just a lot of continued learning, which we already talked about, but it's like, you know, how can we all just continue to strive to be the absolute best versions of ourselves possible? Like that, that's really the name of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, Zach, I always ask my guests, if you had to leave the audience with one piece of advice, whether it's related to triathlon, entrepreneurship, uh, the grind that's necessary, you know, self-development, you name it, whatever the piece of advice is that you want to leave with the audience, yeah. now's your time to shine. Okay. So obviously there's a lot of like one pieces. So this isn't the only piece and this isn't the most important piece, but I think this is a piece that has led to a lot of amazing things in my life. And it's led to a lot of amazing things in people I know's lives and my clients' lives. And it's think less, do more.
And what that means is like, we get in our heads so much. Should I post this piece of content? Should I name my podcast this? Should I invest $100 here? Should I sign up for an Ironman? Uh, sh stop thinking. Stop thinking. Start the podcast. Post a piece of content. Sign up for the Ironman. Right? Tell that person that you'd like them. Whatever it is. Right? So it's like, think less and do more. Life is short. Dude, life is... We don't realize how, sh how short life is. Life is short. Take more action. Get out of your freaking head and do more. Awesome. I love it. Couldn't agree more. Well, man, I uh, can't thank you enough for joining me today. This is awesome. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Jackson. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I look forward to getting you on my podcast as well. Yeah, where can, uh, where can the, the listeners find you? Yeah, I think the best place to find me is lifecoachzack.com. That's Zach with an H. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Zach Rance. Um, or see, probably the website or Instagram is probably the best spot. Cool. Well, my brother, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Thank you, Jackson. And to the listeners, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Walk on Mentality podcast. And we will see you on the next one.